Tonight's message, I'm going to deal with the subject of God's divine design for your life. That's a long title, but I hope we can get the point across that you understand how it all connects. So God's divine design for your life. And God does have a great divine design. And if we'll let him shape us and, and mold us and make us, uh, we will be like Jesus. Amen. And we will have those uh, things that God wants us to have in order to be the person God wants us to be. He, re he reveals his purpose in our life through his divine design. Now, I'm not going to have you go to the book of Ecclesiastes, but I'm just going to read one verse from Ecclesiastes as I make my way into the New Testament. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the Bible says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. So there's a time and a purpose for everything. And tonight we want to look at that in God's divine design. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. And um, we're going to look at some scripture right there in our starting of our message tonight. And uh, I, I just want y'all to continue to pray for Brother Corey and his family as this memorial service is given in honor to his mother, who, who Brother John mentioned passed away. And uh, we are just grateful that we have a place that they can come and, and uh, we can minister to them as they minister to us quite often here at Hillside Baptist Church. If you will look, <clears throat> uh, please, at uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, and I, I would like for you to look at verse 5. It says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. So we're going to talk about virtue throughout this message, but we're also going to talk about how God reveals His purpose for our life. Let's begin with a word of prayer, please. Father, we are thankful that we can open the Word of God, that we can proclaim it and preach it. God, thank you for the message tonight. Lord, would you bless, would you give us increase in our love for you, and give us a, heart, a great and a deeper heart of love for others, Lord, that we can be used because we're living in this divine plan that you have designed for our lives. And we're careful to thank you and praise you for the goodness and mercy and grace you've shown to us and to the blessings that you brought upon our church. And Lord, we just look forward to the days ahead as, Father, you reveal yourself. And Lord, you reveal your will. And Lord, that your, your church would increase because you've added. And thank you for every family. Thank you for every individual. And thank you, Lord, that we have a place of worship. We live in a country of freedom and that we can preach and proclaim without fear or worry of being suppressed in the gospel message. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I, first, I want to look at this word virtue. And, and this word virtue and translation of the Greek is pronounced, and I'll, I'll get it here in just a second, arete. A-R-E-T-A-Y, R-A-T-A, and what that means is simply moral excellence, valor, 
courage. Let me give you three examples of how that word is used in different ways in the New Testament. One, it describes land. It describes land which is fertile and productive, rich land that bears great crops. It also, that word is used to describe a horse, uh, one that is swift, sure-footed, smooth riding. And then thirdly, the word is used to describe a person. And it says, a, a person possessing moral excellence, one who fulfills their designed purpose in life, to be like Christ. And in Romans chapter 8, in verses 8 and 9, there are two verses there. i just quote them here. Uh, verse 28, And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. So, we get an idea of, of virtue, and we're looking at God's divine design. And uh, so, as we think about the things that God designs for our life, uh, we're going to see some things that God wants us to do in fulfilling that design for our life. And first of all, I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 23. In verse, we'll start with verse 7. Proverbs chapter 23. Now, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 23, we are given practical instructions of life. And there, in that chapter, as well as in many other parts of Proverbs, we are told what we should be doing and what we should not be doing. Amen? God tells us things we shouldn't do. But He also tells us many things we should do. Look at verse 7. Uh, of the text, uh, it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Look down at verse 12. Apply thine heart unto instruction, and thine ears to hear the words of knowledge. Look at verse 17. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Look at verse 19. The scripture says, Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thy heart in the way. And then verse 26. My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. So we're given these instructions uh, of what we should be doing to honor the Lord, and of course, to, there's much about honoring the parents. You know, it all starts in the home, amen? It starts when you're very little. It starts when your parents say no, and when your parents say yes. When, you, when your parents speak in a harsh voice to, to identify something you're doing that they don't want you to do, and then when they're lovingly soft and tender in telling you the things that you've done that's pleased them. So, we look here, first of all, number one, I want you to go to Mark chapter 2 with me. Mark chapter 2. I'll, I'll apologize for 
go into so many verses of scriptures too fast, but time does not wait for any man. At Brother Ken Howard's funeral today, one of the friends of his and a person I knew, he said, I'll never forget what Brother Ken said not too long ago. And he said this. He said, life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. And that's true, isn't it? Amen. So we find, we're turned to Mark chapter 2, and uh, let's look at verses 2 through 5. This is a familiar portion of Scripture. We've heard this preached on many times, but notice something about these verses. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and where he had broken it up, they let him down and in the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven. Now I want you to notice the first thing about God's divine design for our lives. And that is, God wants his children to have determination. Determination. And, and what I mean by that is, if you look at these four men who brought this man of palsy and they could not come in by the ordinary way or the natural way or, or the way most easily, usually when you come to a house, uh, they, they were concerned for this man. And, and that's something that we need to be determined to be persistent in our efforts in life is be concerned about others. Jesus was always concerned about others. And, he's, and the Word of God teaches us that we need to have a concern for others. Not only did they have a determination to be concerned for this individual, but they also were creative in getting him to Jesus. And um, they didn't stop to uh, kind of figure out who's going to pay for the damage to this roof, or how, how are we going to deal with this? Uh, no, what they were concerned about is they were on a mission, and they wanted to accomplish that mission. And we have a mission, amen? And, and God wants us to finish that mission. And uh, they accomplished their mission. When Paul came to the end of his life, he said, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I kept the faith. Mission accomplished. God's divine design for our life is that we accomplish the mission that He has given us in life to fulfill the purpose of why we're here upon the earth. And we find also, I read a while ago in Proverbs, not only do, are we to determine to be persistent in our effort, but we are to desire a positive attitude as we are following God's divine design for our life. To have a positive attitude. How quick can our attitude change? How often do we not think about the attitude that we have by the words that we say? 
How many times do we have a negative statement in our life during a 24-hour period? What have we thought about to say good about the world we live in, the people we love, and the things that we're concerned for in prayer? So we find a desire of a positive attitude. Philippians 4.8, if you would join me there. Philippians 4.8. We're going to look at Philippians 4.8. Uh, desire a positive attitude in your, in your meditation, in your time with the Lord. Verse 8. I love these verses here. And when people are troubled in their heart and when, they're, when their thoughts are, are, are just destructive, I take them to this verse of Scripture. And I said, see what God wants you to do. What is His design for your attitude and your spirit. And verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things, uh, the Scripture says uh, in verse 8, uh, that, that are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any, what's the word there? And we were going to talk about virtue tonight. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. The best way that you can fulfill God's divine design for your life is that every day you make an effort, a desire, to have a proper, positive attitude. We live in a negative world. True or false? We live among people who are sinful, and they have a negative life. And if there's one thing that we Christians ought to be is plugged into the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, getting the power from God the Father, we have been given a positive, a positive influence in our life through His Word and the Holy Spirit. And we're to use that. We're to use it. So in your meditation, desire a positive attitude. And in your dedication, in your dedication, desire a positive attitude. Look at verse 13, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ. Have you ever heard anybody say this, or maybe you said it? I can't do that. Have you ever said that? I can't do that. Did Moses say, I can't do that, God? He sure did. And what made Moses say that? Was it he recognized the power of God? Was it he recognized that God knows all things, God is all-powerful, God is all-present, God is all-providing. No, he looked at what he couldn't do, and he said to God, I can't do that divine thing that you want me to do. And God told him how he could accomplish that. And so, dedicating yourself to the positive desire to do what God wants you to do in your life. So that it will bring glory to His name and good to your life. Amen? I mean, is there anybody here who wants bad? Uh, do we really want good every day? If we want good every day, we've got to do something good that's going to bring glory to God. And therefore, we are following that divine design that the Lord has given us for our lives. And thirdly, we find, and you can open your Bibles there to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, I'll give you a second to get there. 
we're not only to, to, be, uh, to be determined and persistent in our life, to desire to be positive in our attitude, but we are to display a productive example of life. We ought to display a productive example. Colossians, well, let me, let me read Romans chapter 14, and uh, let me read verse uh, 15 and following. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walk, walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Verse 16. Let not, let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So now we, we are to display a productive example in life. Two things, very important. Be careful with your liberties. Be careful with your liberties. And you've heard, you've heard me say this a number of times. When God gives us liberty, we also have responsibility. We've got to be careful how we use that liberty. We can do a lot of things. But if we're going to be spiritual about it, we're going to be careful when we do those or where we do those that we don't offend the, the, the younger or immature or those that are struggling in life. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 uh, in verse 23, when we're talking about uh, being careful with your liberties. By the way, liberties or liberty is a military term. When a ship pulls into port, the sailors are given a pass to go on to land and to spend some time there, wherever that port is. They're given liberty. Uh, did they do that in the army also? Everybody? Did they do that in the army? Do they allow their soldiers to have a pass of liberty to go? They don't call it liberty? What do they call it in the uh, army? Just a pass. You know it's liberty. So it's just a pass. Here's your pass. Go liberate. If, if, you, if you do not conduct your life properly when you've been given the authority to have liberty, there are MPs that will arrest you and throw you in the hoosgow. Is that what they call it? No. Stockade. Is that right? The, the brig? <laughs> There's too many definitions for me to remember. Understand, folks, I'm simple. Just one thing will be enough for me to describe. <clears throat> but anyway, with liberty comes responsibility. But notice we have to be careful with our liberties. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and in verse uh, 23, uh, in verse 23, the Bible says, All things are lawful for me, Paul's writing, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edifieth not. You see, there's things that, that just don't do any good to build, thing, build up, edify others. 
And uh, so we're, we're shown here that Paul had to distinguish and not only be careful with our liberties, but be cheerful for our Lord. Look at verses 30 and 31 here in the same text. For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evilly spoken of for that for which I give thanks? Whether therefore ye eat or ye drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. That helps us to understand. God clearly shows us of His divine plan for our life, and He shows us why we are to follow that, uh, that pattern. Is because He is going to be glorified in the process of everything. And always look at whatever you do. Does it bring glory to God? If it doesn't bring glory to God, then don't be involved with it. And if you have to come and ask the pastor if it's all right if you do this or that in your Christian life, you might not ought to be doing it. You might ought not to be doing it. Uh, because because the, uh, what it, it might do, and we, we could use many, many examples, but to have a Christian be in a place doing something that the world does, and the world is watching that Christian, what is it going to do to them when they see a Christian living just like them? What are they going to say? They're going to say, well, if the Christians can do that, then I must be all right. No, it's not all right. And no, we shouldn't be doing that. And no, we should be careful. And so we find that we are uh, to display a productive example of Christ in our lives so that the divine design of God is revealed in our lives. Now, fourthly, we find in Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, we, we read in verses 1 and 2, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. Wow, that's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot. But every bit of what's said there in that verse is exactly what God wants us to do in our uh, demonstration of a personal love. We are, we are to, to be forbearing and we are to be forgiving. Is God long-suffering? Sure He is. The Bible said He is not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance. He is not like man. God is long-suffering and God wants us to be like Him. The only way we can be like God in His divine holiness is to live holy and follow His divine design for our lives. And in the process of doing that, we demonstrate a personal love. What did Paul say when he wrote to the church at Corinth and he talked about that chapter of love? And he said there were some things that he could do to demonstrate his sacrifice of his own life. One of them was to be burned. And he talked about the things he could do to give himself. But he said if it's not in love or charity then it's all vain. It's not real. It's not true. 
Love should come out of all that we do. People should know that we love them and we are sincere in our love to them because the world has, has broadcast a, a philosophy of love. And I can tell you, all it brings is heartache and heartbreak because people, there's people in this world that think they love and they don't even know what love is. They don't understand. They don't understand divine love. They don't understand agape love. They don't understand sacrificial love. They don't understand the love of God. For when one has the love of God, we're able to demonstrate a personal love. We forbear. We forgive. Have you ever heard anyone say this? I forgave them, but I'm never going to forget have you ever heard someone say that? Is that real forgiveness? I forgave them, but I'm never going to forget. Listen, if God forgave us and he cast those sins away to forgive them and forget those sins, not to be throwing it up in their face anymore. Because I'll tell you one thing, when you forgive somebody with a condition, you're going to use that the first time you get mad at them you're going to bring out the old, old problems and the old uh, hurts and the old pains, and you're going to throw them like fiery darts at them. And we've seen that many, many times. You do not demonstrate God's love. You do not demonstrate Christ's love by bringing up and dragging back out of the past things of someone who has hurt you. Be long-suffering. Be forgiving. That is a demonstration of divine um, love that God gives us. And fifthly, fifthly, uh, I'm going to go to uh, Psalms, a very familiar psalm. And uh, it's Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. Psalms 126, verses 5 and 6. You've heard these verses many, many, many times. But listen to these words. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So the fifth and final thought here on uh, God's divine design for our life is the, the design that we learn to deliver a persuasive witness. Deliver a persuasive witness. Now, how do we persuade the world of the hope that is in Christ Jesus. How do we, how do we accomplish this? Uh, four things. Four things I want you to see. To deliver a persuasive witness, we need to have busy feet. Amen? What does the commission, Great Commission say? Go. You can't go without using your feet. 
That's the part. Unless you do a handstand and do some odd thing to get in uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not book or something like that. Yeah, there have been people that done, have done crazy things. But God doesn't want us to do uh, any type of trickery. He wants us to do the truth. He wants us to give the truth. He wants us to live the truth. So we find if we're going to be, deliver persuasive witness to the world, we've got to be busy with our feet. And to be busy with our feet is to mean that we goeth forth. And we goeth forth. And we goeth forth. Our life is going to be spent going forth. Uh, you're going to very rarely have somebody walk through the doors of the church and crying, come running down here and fall at the altar and say, I want to get saved. Now, it can happen, and it has happened in churches, uh, that people just came off the street, came in to see what was going on. God's Holy Spirit dealt with them. Next thing you know, they're down at the altar, and they're getting saved. But, folks, we've got to go out and get them. That means we have to go out in the highways and the hedges. We have to go to our neighbors. We have to go down the street. We have to go across town. We have to go out of state. We have to go out of the country. We have to go into all the world. Somebody's got to be using their feet. And thank God for those who go to foreign fields because God has called them there. And have you ever heard this term when a missionary gets on the field? We... Um, Let's see, how would we say this? I had it right there in my little brain. Um, we hit the ground running. That means when they got off a plane, they got to where they were going, it was run, it was run, it was run. Our life in Christ is demonstrated as a, a race. And... Uh, that race is different for every one of us. And if you ever take your eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ, the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, if you ever take your eyes off of him, you're going to look around and see all those that may be passing you. I love it when they give human uh, stories about people who wouldn't give up, they wouldn't quit, they just kept going. And uh, whenever they have a marathon whether it's in Boston or New York or wherever they take place, it's a, long, it's a long marathon. It's a lot of running. And a lot of people drop out because they just can't bear and endure. But what about that person after all of the cheering crowd has left and all of the hoop law over the, the winner and, and this person is still enduring and they cross that finish line? Don't you think that God is going to reward that person in the spiritual realm, as much or more than those that were able to get there at the beginning. It's not, it's, not a, it's not just how we start off, it's how we finish. And God wants us to finish strong. And to finish strong as a Christian means we've got to continue to put our feet going forth. A second way to deliver a persuasive witness is to have a broken heart. Have a broken heart. Um, they that sow in tears shall reap with joy. They that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, so doubtless come again, rejoicing, bringing their sheaves with them. Now we find that we have a broken heart. The word weepeth. To give tears 
before the Lord of the brokenness that we have for someone. Does anybody in here have a loved one, a friend, a neighbor, or someone that you really want to see get saved? Does anybody have, have, you want to see them come to Christ? Folks, there's a man in this community, and he's not far from where I'm standing right now. And I've been praying for that man, and I have witnessed to him numerous times uh, that he would get saved and receive Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And he said to me one time, what do you do with a fellow that uh, doesn't believe in God? And I said, I pray for you. That's what I do. I want you to know that there is a God. But I, I have a burden for that. I thought about that. I see him. I wave to him. I catch him in places of business. I talk to him. And, and I haven't given up believing God that he can save that man. And we should never give up. We, we should always uh, continue with a heart that is broken over the sins of mankind. And especially our own loved ones. There's nothing that hurts a parent more than to have a rebellious child. Amen? There's nothing that hurts a, past, uh, a, a parent more than to have their children go in a direction that they never taught them. They never willed it for them to do that. They got it grown and they decided they were going to go their way. They were going to do their thing. Listen, folks. You're going to have a rough life if you think you're going to live it your way. You may live a lot of years, but I'm telling you what, you're not going to be happy, especially when it comes time to meet the Lord face to face. But it's so wonderful that we find the Lord Jesus Christ and we understand, I don't want to live my way, I want to live His way. If we, if we make that determination in our heart and we, we determine that we are going out and we're going to reach people, we're going to go because we've got busy feet and a broken heart, we're weeping, and thirdly, we have a Bible message. We have a Bible message. Where does faith come from? Faith cometh by the word, by hearing the truth. We can say a lot of nice things to people to get them to be comfortable with us, but if we're not aiming for the word of God, we're going to miss the opportunity. So we take the word of God, we share the word of God, and we give it to them, and we plant seed, and we water seed, and we plant seed, and we water seed, Listen, the first time you witness to somebody, you might win them to Christ. But it may take 30 times for you to talk to them or send them a letter or call them and give them an invitation to go to church. But the thing about it is, if you're persistent, if you're desirous, if you're willing to do something in the way of your own personal life to do what God wants you to do, and that is give them the hope, give them the message. One of our young men in our church He's probably about this tall on me. He came to me Sunday morning after church. And he said, would you pray for me? I want to witness to a classmate. And I'm having a struggle of how to do it. And I, I, I got down and I, I told him, I said, why don't you start with telling 
your classmate what happened to you. Start telling about what God did for you. And when you do that, you'll find that God will bring to your heart scripture and things that you can tell him. That was my first desire to the first person that I witnessed to. I wanted them to know that I got saved. I wanted them to know that I put my trust and faith in Jesus Christ. I wanted them to know what a joy it was to have the burden of sin lifted off of my soul. I wanted them to know what God could do for them. And so we must carry the Bible message. Bearing precious seed. We have busy feet. We have broken hearts. We have a Bible message. And we have a blessed result. The Bible says in verse 6, He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Well, I'll tell you, there's nothing that gives more joy and excitement is to bring somebody to Jesus Christ and then bring them to church so that they can come down and make a public profession and get baptized and be plugged into the church. Evangelist, many years ago, was preaching a revival. And he told the story of a little boy that got saved. And the little boy was so excited about his new faith. He's just a little lad. Till he wanted his little sister to get saved. And uh, during the invitation, as best I understand, he... Uh, tried to convince her to go forward and she wouldn't go so he grabbed her by the hair of the head and started down the aisle with her well that that would be a way to get them down but I don't think we could keep them because it has to come from the Lord it has to come in the heart you and I have been in churches where the church may have such great emphasis on following the word of God to the letter of the law that they would have such standards that even a sinner couldn't come in. Now, would you be nervous if a guy came in the back door, you heard this Harley Davidson rumble in, and this guy come in with a big beard, tattoos, uh, you know, all the, the whole get up, and had on the back of his jacket, Hell's Angels. Would you be comfortable if he came in and sat beside you be honest. Would you, would you be a little nervous? Would you feel just a little bit out of, whoa, whoa, whoa? How many of you remember evangelist Jim Della Smith? Jim Della Smith, head of the Hells Angels of, Los, I mean, uh, of uh, St. Louis, Missouri. He was the head of the chapter. One Sunday morning, high on drugs, driving down the street. He heard, he heard it out of the church, the singing. He happened to look over on the sidewalk. He saw this beautiful lady going down the sidewalk and go up in the church. And, and he said to himself, I'm going to marry that girl. So he whipped his motorcycle around, got off. He walked in, took his helmet off, and sat down in the service. His heart and his eyes was on that little girl. But the Lord got a hold of his heart. He got saved. He eventually did marry that lady. He got saved. 
and used his life for the glory of God until the day he died, preaching the word of God. You see, when a person gets saved, I don't care what they look like on the outside. They're clean and pure on the inside. And when God gets a hold on the inside, you let God keep working it, and you'll see the whole change on the outside. So, in our message tonight, we are talking about God's divine design for our lives. And we said that God wants us to be determined, determined, persistent in our efforts. He wants us to desire a positive attitude. He wants us to display a productive example of life in Christ. He wants us to demonstrate a personal love for others. He wants to use us to deliver in persuasion with our witness to those that are lost. You see, that's God's divine plan. And if we'll just yield our heart, yield our will, be willing to just listen to God, He'll reveal to us, He will show us, he will use us, and we can be a true Christian that is a living example. You don't have to worry. <clears throat> My wife and I married 51 years ago. You got it. We married because we fell in love. And she's the only lady I've ever loved. And we've been together. Has it been easy? There have been bumps in the road. But we always find a place to resolve. And we always come back and get tuned in together and determined to do what God wants us to do. So when I retire, she's determined to work me to death. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She has all these lists that, that have... That have Put, been put aside and wait for the day in which we can do it. Now I'm old, old enough and ready to do it, but I, my body's broken down and I don't know if I can do it all. I did a little chore for her last night. She, she bought a bookcase and you know if you ever order a bookcase and, and you have to put it together, you have this big bag of goodies and you've got you to sort them all out. Every one of them has a place. You can't leave one of them out. And, uh, and, and they have diagrams, and they tell you what to do. But it is not easy. But I, I determined that I was going to get that thing put together. And I did. I finished about 11.30. I went to bed, and I woke up about 3.30 in the morning, and my arm was just cramping. You know when you don't use the muscles and you strain them too much? Man, I got up and found that. What is that thing I use on Icy hot. Icy hot. Boy, <laughs> it was hurting down my leg and running all over my legs and feet. And boy, that wasn't the worst part of it. The worst part of it was I got down to nail some things and fix some things, and I couldn't get up. I told my wife, I says, hey, you got to help me get up. So she grabs a hold of my arm, 
And you know, when you're not, you're not firmly anchored to something, it's hard to balance yourself to get up. I said, hey, you're going to drop me. Stop. Give me that chair over there. I'll get up on it. That's just the little things that happen in life. But I'm up. And I'm going to stay up as long as God will let me. Aren't you glad tonight that you're vertical? Aren't you glad that you can still do things? You can still get out and come to church. You can, you can witness. You can, you can do so many things. And sometimes we, we think, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. If you let Christ. Let's determine that we're going to, define, we're going to follow God's divine design for our life.